Financial services firms are choosing between build and buy for Gen AI in the tax function. Here are some thoughts from EY and Real-Time Insights. I think the biggest question for our clients is a build versus buy conversation. Is As we talked about, there's going to be a need to upskill. That costs money. There's a need for tax talent that's hard to find in the marketplace. And technology budgets are strained everywhere. And so our clients have to decide, are they going to go it alone to build tax models? Or are they going to lean on a third-party provider that has scale and investment to leverage that investment going forward? Learn more at EY.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Joe Weisenthal. And I'm Tracy Alloway. Tracy, you said something on a recent episode, and I don't remember which one it was. Um, one of our macro ones, maybe like Neil and Connor or something like that. This idea still that we sort of talk about like relief at the idea of labor market softening. Right. It's kind of perverse. First of all. Thank you so much for listening to what I say. I really appreciate that. Secondly, I think what I said is it feels really weird that you have a central bank, specifically yeah. the Federal Reserve, that is saying basically that they want to push the unemployment rate yeah. up. Yeah, and significantly, mm -hmm. right? So we're at, we're at uh, around 3.5% unemployment right now. 50-year low. A 50-year low. You Which think sounds great. That seems unambiguously good. And especially, you know, after coming after years of slow labor market growth, um, some of the fears mm -hmm. during the worst of the COVID pandemic about how, uh, how much unemployment there is. And yet here we are, and it's almost always talked about as a problem to be solved rather than an opportunity to be embraced. Yeah, uh, there's always concern that you're running an economy too hot if right. employment gets too low. But then that just brings up all these really big picture questions about, well, what is the economy for yeah. anyway? Shouldn't we be aiming for a system that kind of works for everyone where, you know, Hopefully, the unemployment rate is very, very low, but I guess the risk is and the concern is that you don't want to run it in such a way that it starts pushing up prices and you get this unrelenting inflation. Right. And inflation is bad and it hurts people and people don't like it. But nonetheless, I think people find it strange that the central bank is part of what they see as an outcome of mm -hmm. optimal monetary policy, would put so many, you know, um, at least another million and a half people out of work. They find it strange when weak labor market data uh, uh, often leads to a stock market rally. Right. The That's, whole bad news is good news for stocks. That perverse. Why? And, you know, you'd think like, okay, a lot of people have jobs. That means a lot of spending. Corporate profits really high. Like, you think these are like good things. And yet at some level, it's like all of this is bad. And I, do, right. and I think like we shouldn't just jump away from that. Like we shouldn't sort of move on. And of course there's room to discuss soft landings and all that. But some of these root questions I think are still worth uh, thinking about. Like why do investors hate uh, full employment? Yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. So I'm really excited about our guest. So one of the um, uh, one of the economists from the, the old days that people sometimes talk about when they talk about the political economy of full employment or maximum employment, uh, an economist named uh, Michal Kolecki, 
um, has talked about this. His work uh, uh, comes up every once in a while. So we're going to be speaking to an economist who himself has studied a lot of uh, Kolechki's work and has done an own, his own work on a lot of these questions. We're trying to understand a little bit more about this like tension that full employment, full employment brings. We're going to be speaking to uh, Jan Taporovsky, a uh, professor at SOAS University in uh, London. And uh, so, uh, Professor Taporovsky, thank you so much for coming on Odd Lots. Thank you very much for inviting me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your what your your work and your research and sort of like what uh, what drove you to sort of focus on some of these topics? Well, I came into uh, 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 this kind of work. I, I actually came across uh, Kaletsky when um, uh, when I was when I first came to study economics. Now. At the time when I, uh, I actually didn't do my undergraduate studies in economics, it was more uh, in sociology and political science. Um, and what the first job that I got was in fund management uh, for uh, the Church of England, for an institution called the August Institution called the Church Commissioners for England. Oh. And because uh, I had had I had done one uh, course in introductory economics. They thought, oh, well, he knows something about it. And they put me into the <laughs> Stock Exchange Investments Department. Now, this was in 1974. Uh, you're, you're obviously too young to remember uh, what happened uh, around 1974. But there was uh, an oil price shock, which uh, in England uh, was rapidly followed by a, 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 a collapse in the real estate market, uh, a, a collapse on the in the stock market. A couple of brokers, brokerage houses went bust. Uh, uh, banks started some uh, some of the mar fringe banks uh, went bust. Uh, a major bank uh, tottered. The Bank of England had to call in. Uh, the, the senior City of London figures to try and shore up the position. Uh, and uh, now for me, the, you know, as, uh, uh, as a newcomer to all of this, I thought this was uh, tremendously exciting. But And I thought, well, I, I need to find out more about it. I need to study economics. So mm. I went, uh, I registered at Birkbeck uh, College, part of the University of London, uh, for an MSc in economics, uh, and I was actually greatly disappointed because all my professors would stand up and say, look, um, we have this general equilibrium model of, of the economy. And my, uh, and my, my senior professor, the senior professor there, uh, a, a very distinguished uh, a, a, a American British economist, uh, I remember standing in class and saying, uh, uh, look, the economy out there, it's in equilibrium. We know it's in equilibrium. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the models say so. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know what world this man lives in. <laughs> you know, what he was saying, you know, had no bearing, uh, showed no understanding of, of what was really going on. I remember going down to the library and flicking through some books and coming across uh, a Polish name, Michał Kalecki, and I thought, oh, I wonder what what he has to say about this. I didn't realize that there was there were any distinguished Polish economists. So uh, I started reading the book and it was his early essays uh, on the business cycle. And 
suddenly it all made sense. Uh, and it's continued to make sense uh, since then. Uh, albeit, I think I take a rather different view to many uh, followers of, of Michal Kalecki in the sense that I'm, uh, uh, I have this background in, in, in banking mm. and finance. I've, uh, All the uh, best do. This has always been my approach to uh, the, uh, the work of Kalecki. So I think your, your question, the issues that you're raising are, are you know, absolutely fundamental to my understanding of Kalecki, and I wish they were more fundamental to the understanding of uh, 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 many uh, uh, many of my friends and colleagues who uh, you know follow Kalecki. Well, Jan, talk to us then about what it was that you read that made sense to you, and I'm particularly interested in the relationship between the business cycle and you know theoretical equilibrium levels and full employment as as you kind of just alluded to the general equilibrium approach uh is essentially a static uh, uh approach uh it 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 tells you uh, what situation will arise where there will be no further change uh, and this actually it doesn't happen in the real world. Uh, what you have in the in in the real world uh, is a constant state of flux, and this is uh, why Kalitsky's uh, approach uh, uh, to economics, focusing on 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 the business cycle, uh, I I think is really much more satisfying than. Uh, uh, than the approach, for example, of Keynes in the general theory, uh, which is which was essentially a, a static approach to a problem that is fundamentally dynamic. So what do you explain? Because when I think of, you know, Keynes also wrestled with these topics of why don't, why doesn't a market economy on its own create full employment? Why is investment inadequate in typical times? Why do we tend to these periods of stagnation? How did Kolecki differ from Keynes on these questions? Well, let me start off with uh, what he agreed with Keynes on. And uh, uh, he, he agreed with Keynes that uh, capitalism is fundamentally a, a, a system uh, that uh, in which the level of output, the overall level of output and the overall level of employment is determined by uh, the level of investment, the level of business investment. Uh, now, obviously, in the in the post-war, post-Second World War economy, uh, the government also has uh, uh, government spending also has a lot uh, to do with it. But fundamentally, the in in the the private sector, uh, the level of activity in the private sector is really determined by uh, the level of investment. And the, the 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 question is, what causes that level of investment to be unstable? Much much more unstable uh, than, for example, consumption. Uh, and the, uh, uh, this this was an answer that, in many respects, tormented Kalecki throughout uh, his life. He he would put forward um, uh, various models and then reflect on them and decide that no, uh, they, they, they they were wrong. Um, Keynes kind of sort of tried to cover up 
this uh, problem by saying, oh, well, it was, it's all due to animal spirits. Uh, it's all due to uncertainty. The, and the, the problem with this is that, uh, you know, uncertainty and um, uh, and animal spirits are not um, measurable in the same way that, for example, steel production is measurable. It's really pushing uh, the solution onto what cannot be seen mm. and and uh, and cannot be observed. And Kaletsky, Kaletsky's background was as an uh, engineer, and he found this. Uh, deeply un uh, 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 deeply unsatisfactory. Tried to uh, resolve it. Uh, certainly, he thought that uh, the rate of interest didn't have uh, um, much impact. Uh, he uh, uh, businessmen he thought were you know on on the whole much more much more cynical, much more hard bitten than to be influenced by let's say ephemeral moods. Uh, and uh, and temperament. In fact, the way in which corporations are constructed, the, the hierarchical, bureaucratic way in which uh, business corporations are constructed, is 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 really uh, in order to eliminate uh, the effect of you know passions and biases on uh, issues like investment. Uh, in the end, what uh, what Kletsky thought was uh, really most important it, 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 it was the issue of uh, capacity utilization. Uh, businesses will uh, invest if they're uh, if they've got customers that cannot be satisfied mm. from existing production, uh, uh, even at full capacity. Uh, and what they will then do is, if uh, let's say if the restaurant is full, and there are still customers at the door, then the restaurant owner will invest in more tables, uh, 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 more uh, 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 you know expand his premises. So, and he then explained it interestingly enough in a, in the form of a very nice parable. He said, you know, in. in in uh, in the United States, there are cities uh, uh, which are joined by more than one railway line, and the effect of their comp if you have if they're both operating at less than full capacity, uh, the effect of competition between them will be that eventually one of those railway lines will uh, go out of business, and you'll end up in a situation. With much less capacity, uh, and uh, actually much less employment, much mm. uh, uh, much much less output. So, what is the answer to this problem mm. of underutilization of capacity? Build and a his, third railway. Yeah, uh, build a third railway. Exactly. <laughs> You've read the article. Uh, it's. <laughs> it, it, it's a lovely parable, and then, uh, and of course, the, the 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 first two railway lines will be busy ferrying all the the workers and the steel and uh, uh, required to uh, for building the third railway line. And then, of course, you've now got three railway lines. At the end of this, you have, you now have three railway lines, 
uh, what do you do then? And, he, uh, and so he said, well, the answer is you build a fourth railway line. <laughs> and then, uh, and then a fifth problematic. And, and, and he said, <clears throat> well, you know, all, all this sounds paradoxical. And uh, but he said, well, it's the system that's paradoxical. Uh, and the reason why it's paradoxical is that it's a system that depends on the level of investment. And what's critical about the level of investment is that it's the level of investment that, according to Kalitsky, but also Keynes, uh, uh, determines how much profits businesses will make. Mm. Businesses uh, invest a lot, they will make a lot of, uh, in, in, in profits. Uh, if they don't invest so much, then it's uh, it, it, it doesn't uh, uh, you 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 have this problem of uh, excess capacity uh, discouraging economic activity, discouraging investment. financial services firms consider privacy in adopting Gen AI? Here are some thoughts from EY. And compared to other sectors, financial services is absolutely in a great place to manage the governance of AI, leveraging what they have. So operational risk management and the rigor that is around that is certainly how privacy has been built within the front line of most financial services organizations. That operational risk management rigor, as we know, requires assessment for new products, which is where privacy also has made certain it's part of that risk assessment. But it also requires requires a robust data governance framework and a lot of control at the data lifecycle management. So if we take those two aspects, we take the risk management aspect of new product management, the risk management aspect of data, we really have a nice layer to build upon and privacy, of course, is already integrated into that. Learn more at ey.com. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. So my understanding of Keynes is that, you know, Keynes also wrote a lot about the business cycle and believed that the business cycle could be managed in one way or another through monetary policy or, or smoothed in some way. What yeah. does Koletsky say about managing mm. the business cycles or investment given its importance in the cycle? Well, Koletsky thought that managing uh, the economy by trying to influence the level of investment um, is really a, f a, a fool's game because you 
for example, you may lower the rate of interest or lower the rate of taxation, uh, you know, give additional tax allowances. And uh, then you find that, okay, business takes uh, 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 it takes up a certain amount of investment, does some investment, and then requires further tax cuts, further uh, uh, cuts in uh, the rate of interest in order to, to invest further. And it, it, it really um, it really doesn't make sense. It doesn't make didn't make sense for Kalitsky because the purpose of investment uh, shouldn't be, uh, to maintain full employment, there are other instruments for doing this. Uh, uh, the uh, the purpose of investment should be to provide the capacity for the amount of consumption that is required uh, in 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 the economy. The, you know that's that's how a rational uh, e economy would operate. So this again was a small difference between uh, Keynes and Kalitsky. Keynes wanted. Uh, investment to be uh, uh, the leader. Uh, Kalitsky argued that, uh, in fact, you can uh, create the equivalent of an investment boom through fiscal stimulus. Uh, it has the same effect of expanding uh, profits and, and particularly using the fiscal stimulus to provide uh, additional public goods and public services, which would be provided free so this gets around the problem of uh, 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 of raising wages. You can increase real wages by providing mm. uh, free uh, public goods. Uh, and then, of course, the other way is to redistribute income from uh, higher incomes to lower incomes, again, by, uh, by various transfer payments. So to bring it up to today, and I don't know if we have full employment because I'm not even I'm not even sure what that means, but we have very low unemployment, mm, the lowest right. in 50 years. Um, some might say, okay, that's close to full employment, but that's a separate debate. But people, there's like this, it's, it repels people. It's, a, uh, there's a, it's almost like there's like these white blood cells of the economy. There's like <laughs> the Fed is coming in. It wants to raise rates. It talks about how the optimal situation would be at least a 1% increase, one and a half million people laid off. You have investors who get sort of a sense of relief every time the labor market data comes in weak. Why is there this discomfort? in a state of the economy, which on paper you'd think lots of spending, good, lots of reason to invest, do CapEx, good, that's everyone's uh, investment is someone else's income. Why is there this sort of like rebellion against that? Kalitsky uh, put it in, a, a, argued that it's, it's purely political. Hmm. Um, he said that this, uh, he argued his in his famous article, uh, political aspects of full employment, which I would recommend to anyone who doesn't know much. Uh, Kalitsky is very, very easy to read. It has not a single equation. Uh, but he <laughs> That's why I've read they... it. <laughs> Good. Uh, he argued there that, you know, there's no doubt that full employment is, is more rational for the system as a whole. It's more rational. Uh, profits are higher. Employment is higher. Uh, everything is better if you have full employment. However, uh, full employment strikes at uh, the heart of another feature 
of uh, capitalism, which is the question of labor discipline. Mm. Uh, if you have a state of full employment, then uh, it's very it becomes difficult to discipline workers uh, in the factory uh, or in the office. Uh, if uh, if a worker can uh, leave uh, his or her uh, place of employment and immediately get another one, uh, then uh, um, where is the labour discipline? Ah, it's about uh, control. It's, it's really about the control of uh, labour. And Kalitsky argued that in, 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 in what, what would tend to happen is that in a state of um, full employment, you would get uh, a, a, a political coalition uh, put together by uh, major employers, uh, uh, the uh, people in finance, uh, central bank uh, 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 central bankers all of whom would argue that the situation is somehow manifestly unsound uh, it, it will unsound in what way well inflation and sure enough you know we we, we have had uh, inflation but we also know at the moment that uh, inflation is coming down quite rapidly uh, uh, as well because so much of the current inflation was simply uh, a, a, an energy market adjustment mm. uh, to uh, sanctions on uh, on Russian energy. Uh, uh, so it, it, it's a kind of uh, future inflation because the future is unknown right. and unknowable. It's very very easy to to say, "Oh well, you know, things may appear okay at the moment, but." Uh, we know we have these, these, and these economists with all these models showing that there's some terrifying inflation around the this, corner. This kind of reminds me of the debate over work from home, which is, you know, post-pandemic, um, yeah. people started working from home. And there didn't seem to be much of a hit on productivity, and a lot of companies still met whatever their internal benchmarks are. So then you had a lot of bosses who started talking about a degradation of corporate culture and how, you know, it's bad. People are working from home. They might be doing okay um, on a pure numbers basis, but in the long run, it's going to impact the company by hitting culture. Uh, Jan, can you maybe connect more of what we've seen over the past year or two to Koletsky's ideas? Do you think the post-pandemic maybe shift um, towards worker power has vindicated some of his ideas? I think it has. Um, it's, it, 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 it's, it's vindicated um, a, a, a lot of his ideas because it's actually weakened uh, the, um, uh, the 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 power of many businesses who uh, uh, particularly businesses in uh, uh, in, in activities uh, retail hospitality uh, 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 these kind of, uh, 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 these kinds of activities which uh, uh, transport even uh, which uh, just saw their their markets uh shrinking uh, uh shrinking quite drastically the the what then happened however was that the speed of the recovery mm. uh, as uh a, you know lockdown was removed 
uh, I think a lot of those businesses took advantage of that situation to start raising their yeah. prices. And my view is that they were raising their prices because many of them had got uh, seriously into debt. Many of them had got had found their political uh, position weakened. They'd had to go knocking at the door of uh, 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 of governments uh, asking for loans, uh, uh, asking for uh, tax rebates, various other. Uh, 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 you know, public uh, subsidies. Governments had responded by insisting on uh, uh, on no layoffs. Uh, uh, it, this kind of thing it put uh, uh, companies, particularly corporations, into a difficult bind, uh, and the, uh, a lot of them got out of this by borrowing at record low. Uh, wow. rates of interest and then uh, seeking to recover that borrowing by raising uh, 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 raising their prices hmm. so you have uh, uh, my uh, my explanation of the inflation is is would be twofold one is that you have uh, uh, this uh, uh, you know, energy costs uh, which is a temporary phenomenon but the other one is uh, really the uh, 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 what Richard Koo uh, referred to is a, is a is a type of balance sheet effect, uh, where uh, firms are uh, are trying to clear off debt by uh, by raising prices, and I think doing it uh, 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 they were doing it quite successfully. But that then feeds into a narrative that the um, uh, uh, that all this is uh, the consequence of full employment, and therefore, uh, you know, must be uh, it must show that the the state of full employment uh, is uh, is financially unsound. Uh, it, it 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 isn't, of course, because the 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 inflation has very little to do with uh, with what's happening in the labour market. Uh, wage increases have uh, lagged. Uh, lagged price increases, uh, uh, unions uh, and, uh, and workers in general have a much weak, uh, ha have a much weaker position in the labour market. Uh, um, to some degree, actually, individual workers are benefiting from uh, labour shortages. But in terms of organisation, in terms of power in in uh, what Kalitsky called the power in the factories, uh, workers uh, uh, still remain weak because worker worker organisations uh, are weak. generative AI impact the way financial services firms work? Here are some thoughts from EY and Real-Time Business. At an enterprise level, how will it impact the way we work? Just like how internet changed all our lives, this technology has the potential to have a step change in how we fundamentally operate. But uh, let me give you a few examples of what some of the use cases our clients are exploring. We are seeing our clients explore a few knowledge management use cases. For example, in, in case of wealth and asset management, 
providing their financial advisors with right information so that they can serve their clients better. Similarly, a claims agent in insurance or a contact center representative in case of banking and capital markets. The, the theme that we are seeing is where the machine comes in and provides contextual insights to enable the humans make better decisions, better actions in a faster manner. Learn more at ey.com. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. So we just have a, a couple minutes left, but I just want to uh, – on the inflation question, <clears throat> a term that you hear um, political activists sometimes in the uh, U.S., probably around the world, like greedflation. And I'm curious whether you think that's a useful frame. It kind of doesn't sound like it, listening, that uh, of course there are opportunistic situations and that for balance sheet reasons, corporations feel the impulse to uh, to raise prices – but like greed kind of seems like one of these things that's kind of immeasurable. I'm curious, like in your perspective or Kolechki's perspective, like is that a useful analytical mode? Personally, I wouldn't use the word, uh, 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 the, the term greed, because it seems to me a, a, a kind of uh, uh, moralizing the fact that it's, mm. uh, it's business practice to uh, get the best possible price uh uh, for, for for your output, uh, I think there is a um, there is a sense in which uh, if you have excess capacity, uh, um, the uh, excess capacity may, under certain circumstances, um, uh, cause uh, a business to um, uh, not to raise prices. Uh, you know, to, 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 to moderate uh, greed. But on the whole, I think business decisions are not made on a kind of moral issue. You try to get the best out of the market. That's, uh, it's, it's the nature of the system. So one thing that I always like to ask um, economists who have written biographies of other economists or who have studied their work is, is there any area in which you disagree ah, with Kalecki or think that maybe, you know, maybe he got it wrong or, or maybe this particular theory hmm. could be improved or expounded upon? Yes, I think actually he, uh, uh, well, he, I think his political judgment uh, sometimes was uh, 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 went went askew. For uh, I mean, if I can uh, give a, a particular example Please. from the, from the United States, he thought that uh, the uh, the student movement against uh, the Vietnam War 
were, uh, uh, you know, was headed for for failure, uh, and I, th I think this was a uh, 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 this was a misjudgment. Uh, he thought that uh, uh, American uh, capitalism would uh, it, it would be divided uh, between. Uh, uh, the international uh, capitalism, American multinationals would be much more sensitive to the way in which America is perceived uh, abroad. And uh, uh, the uh, and domestic uh, uh, or business, American businesses that only operate in, within the United States uh, uh, who would be, you know, maybe much more uh, bullish. I'm not sure that this is a, a distinction that, hmm. uh, that that works uh, quite well uh, in, in in the United States. Uh, I think I wished he. Uh, I regret that he didn't uh, write more about money uh, and finance because I think he. Um, in in this way he um uh, it's it's too easy to dismiss his ideas as being characteristic of the the long period between 1929 and uh, uh let's say uh, the, uh, the 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 1970s when uh, uh you know really the stock market and finance uh were not uh, terribly uh, important uh, and could uh, yeah. uh, and were in fact dependent on uh, on state support. Um, I think that they uh, the situation now uh, it, it, it's rather it's rather different and uh, really needs um, needs more working on. So I, I think this would be um, kind of my 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 regret and, and and my criticism plus the fact that i think he his um he was a um uh, he was an engineer and a feature of the type of economics of his time was that you had to uh, uh you, you you won success in the profession by uh putting forward a, a neat mathematical model now he knew that this was uh, this wasn't enough. You had to have some kind of roots in the way in which uh, the system operated. But uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he 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 tended to uh, believe that once he'd uh, once he'd put forward the equation, then uh, that was enough. Uh, and I don't think it was. Jan Toporowski, I'm afraid we're out of time, but that was a uh, fantastic. Really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I feel like perhaps you know Keynes sort of got this revival after the Great Financial Crisis, and it feels like with Kolechki's thoughts right now, as people wrestle with some of this thing, more people are going to be discovering him. So appreciate you coming on Odd Lots. Thank you. Thank you very much for this uh, opportunity.
Tracy, I really enjoyed it. It does feel like, um, well, I mean, there's a lot there. The political aspects of uh, I, the question you brought about working from home, mm-hmm. the sort of rebellion against worker autonomy, worker power, what happens when <clears throat> it's really easy potentially to find another job, I think is like, for one thing, that's like a pretty important idea right now. Oh, absolutely. I also thought the question of why, so if you argue that, you know, private sector activity is dependent on the level of investment, but then why, yeah. why does the level of investment change? Why is it more unstable yeah. that, than consumption? That is a question that comes up all the time here on Oblots, right? Like why do these yeah. business cycles yeah. exist? Why do firms seem to, you know, potentially overreact to slow periods and then overreact to um, more active periods. I, I don't know. Like, it, it, I think it's still open to debate, but it was definitely interesting to hear yeah. Koletsky's ideas on that. Yeah, and this idea that, like, and, you know, um, Keynes, like, um, as, as um, Jan pointed out, like, animal spirits, mm-hmm. uncertainty, like, these are, like, it's like vibes, you know? Right. It's like, and there is, I think vibes are important, but also, like, they're a little bit unsatisfying. You choose capacity utilization over vibes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why do vibes change, right? That's mm-hmm. like, if you if you sort of, like, lean too heavily into the vibes theory of economic cycles, then you have, then you're just moved on to the question of, like, well, why do vibes change? And so some of these questions about, like, capacity utilization, I do think they're helpful. I love, like... I love the railroad example of like, okay, the problem is just keep building railroads, which you will maintain like full demand, but then you end up with a hundred railroads. And this idea, like this is the sort of like contradiction of the system is very interesting. Look, as me. a regular user of Amtrak, I yeah. say build all the railroads. Build all the railroads. Build them all. No, I, I am open to any and every possible explanation, um, or I should say policy suggestion for yeah. smoothing business cycles. And this was a fascinating one. Absolutely. All right, shall we leave it there? Let's leave it there. This has been another episode of the Oblots podcast. I'm Tracy Alloway. You can follow me on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. And I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can follow me on Twitter at The Stalwart. Follow our producers, Carmen Rodriguez at Carmen Armin and Dash Bennett at Dashbot. And check out all of our podcasts at Bloomberg under the handle at Podcasts. And for more Oblots content, go to Bloomberg.com slash Oblots where you can see the transcripts We blog, we have a weekly newsletter that comes out every Friday. Go there and sign up. Thanks for listening. It's Tracy Alloway. And Joe Weisenthal. We are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast, and we want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you are not going to want to miss. The Deal, co-hosted by Yankees legend Alex Rodriguez. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, and executives. Like Maria Sharapova, Michael Strahan, Derek Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into the world of sports, media, and entertainment. And dives into the wins, losses, and lessons learned along the way. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch it on Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Originals on YouTube.